Retail Revolution is a special limited podcast created specifically for retailing and service design, a unique course that is part of the Fashion Management Graduate Program at Parsons School of Design in New York City. Each episode features in-depth conversations with guest experts in omni-channel retailing with myriad perspectives, technology, consumer engagement, data analytics, merchandising, and more. We pay special attention to the short and long-term challenges and implications of COVID-19 and potential opportunities to rethink retail's future. Retail Revolution is produced by Joshua Williams and hosted by Christopher Lacey. Both are assistant professors in the School of Fashion at Parsons. Hello and welcome to another episode of Retail Revolution. I'm your host, Christopher Lacey. And today joining me is Senior Executive Recruiter at the Bowerman Group and creator of Hiring Lab. Today we have Megan Hool with us. Hi, Megan. Hi, Christopher. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you making the time. I know it's been busy, it's been crazy, but I think this is such a great conversation for us to have today on career opportunities and what that looks like in this space. But before we start, could you tell our listeners a bit about you? Sure, sure. So as Christopher mentioned, I work with the senior executive recruiting firm, the Bowerman Group. We place talent all across North America in various industries across luxury and specialty and retail and wholesale and corporate. So really cover a lot of different channels and platforms. I've been with this group for about eight years. However, coming from the retail industry, about 20 plus years all in, I come from stores. I know what it takes to be in the field and and in the service element piece of the business. So it's a real pleasure to be able to take my experience on this side and share my passion for recruiting and talent and people and finding amazing candidates, new career journeys. Yeah, so that's a little bit about me and and, and what we do. And I'm happy to be here again and sharing my insight during this moment where I think there's a lot of uncertainty, but a lot of positives that will come out of it as well, I believe. And we agree with you. I think that's the thing is out of crisis definitely comes opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I want us to jump right into that opportunity because I know there's a lot of fear. I mean, we all have anxiety. The unemployment rate has skyrocketed. I mean, the numbers keep climbing as we look at it every day. We have more and more businesses that are having to rethink if they'll even be in business in the next, you know, three months, six months. So I want to ask you, How has COVID-19 really changed the way organizations are viewing candidates at this time? And does that mean it's, it's much more difficult for candidates to get noticed? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question, sort of two parts here for sure. I think at this point, you know, and, and speaking with a lot of my clients that come from the big global brands that are very recognized out there in the world to some of the smaller up and coming brands, startups and whatnot, you know, every organization is really taking a moment to reevaluate and realign talent. And I think the main challenge, um, obviously, that we're seeing, but some reduction in positions. And then also on the other side of it, applicants, you know, that are applying for these positions that, you know, have really increased. So I think it is more important than ever to really stand out. And it's really a multi-step approach. I think from a candidate side of things, you know, really critical to make those connections with the companies that you're interested in, whether, you know, it's using your network, 
to be introduced, you know, via LinkedIn or a former colleague or friend. And when really reaching out to those hiring authorities or company contacts, really being specific. I think another way to make sure that you're noticed in the right way is ensuring that your LinkedIn profile, if you have one, and I think everybody in this day and age really should, it is a great platform for people to stay connected and to be noticed. I mean, I think right now, more than ever, you know, HR and talent teams have have time to look at you to get noticed. And also, you know, a lot of compassion at this time where they understand, you know, many people have been furloughed or laid off. So any friends and, and network connects that you can get to help you out and really making sure you have the skills and successes updated on that profile for LinkedIn and also your resume ready to go is really important. And there is a function on LinkedIn that you can sort of highlight that lets recruiters know as, you know, kind of from experience with me, we have a special part in LinkedIn that we can use as like a search function. So a lot of times when candidates click open to opportunities, which is a button, I think on the LinkedIn mm -hmm. profile, you, you really stand out. You know, and, and it almost puts you in a different bucket where without screaming on LinkedIn, like I'm laid off or unemployed or furloughed, in a way it really kind of puts you in that bucket of like, hey, I'm open. I want to listen to new opportunities. And I think that's where it's really nice to be able to put yourself and get noticed in a very professional way. I know a lot of people right now are doing focus groups and professional groups, bringing people together from all over industries to help each other out. So I would say to get noticed, really applying your skills and your network connections is super important at this time, for sure. So you brought up the resume and, mm -hmm. and LinkedIn. And I think yep. a question that a lot of listeners have is, what should my LinkedIn really say? And what should my resume really say? Like, should they be exact mirror images of each other? Or should LinkedIn be the highlight reel and the resume is the real deal? Or is the resume the highlight reel and LinkedIn is the real deal? It's a great question and one that absolutely comes up often. I always say LinkedIn is a great way to almost have like a business card, <laughs> a snapshot of who you are, your key successes. Absolutely make sure you have a professional photo up there, correct job timeline orders, education, any other volunteer, any other things that you've been involved in, recommendations sometimes people have on LinkedIn, which are great. But I think it's really important to make sure that is super updated and relevant and current because I'll tell you a lot of times hiring authorities and myself going through LinkedIn and, you know, you're connecting with the candidate and they're like, oh, we haven't updated, you know, in five years, it's been five years. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, and it just really looks, you know, yeah. Um, same goes with resume <laughs> too, you know, I think side by side mirror. It's great when, you know, you are in the moment or you have time to make sure you're both keeping them super active, but really using LinkedIn for all the most important information, creating a great little bio about who you are, keeping in your bio your direct email or phone number so that someone doesn't necessarily have to be a connection with you to be able to see that. So like I said, a little business calling card. And then going through your job moments, having two or three 
bullet points is great. You know, having some keywords in there that makes you searchable kind of based on your job or skill set or that career that you're, you're looking to get into is really important. And that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> a whole nother class training we could do, Christopher. <laughs> But really, you know, I think that quick snapshot, super tight, updated, really professional and supportive. And then your resume. I think a resume can be so interesting because you can have multiple resumes and ones that you can have that are actually specifically tailored for certain jobs that you are attracted to or want to apply for. And that can come from taking the time to search jobs, indeed, LinkedIn, printing out those job descriptions circling the keywords in them, you know, making sure they align with your resume. So if you're applying online, you kind of get picked up through the HR algorithm system, but just in general, really tailoring your skills to be able to speak to what that job profile looks like. So your resume can be sort of a working document, but I think once you really get your LinkedIn set, as long as you get a new job and you continue to update it, honestly, you can kind of you know, let that alone, <laughs> you know, let LinkedIn do its thing for you. <laughs> the resume, I would say, is definitely more of the, the working active document, you know, that you can really kind of tailor as you go along in your job search, but both very critical to have and definitely important more than ever now, especially to help you get noticed, I, I would say, is keeping LinkedIn really polished and professional. There's so many people right now who've been furloughed. There's so much happening in the U.S. and then on a global scale. And you have people who really have plans and and desires to move to another country or start working in another country. And then you have people that wanted to come here in the U.S. and work. Do you think this is a good time to think of applying for jobs outside of your home country? Yeah, it's probably a more tougher time than normal, to be honest. I know with a lot of the hiring freezes, at least here in the U.S., some of those big global companies that maybe are looking at candidates overseas that absolutely can support visas and absolutely do. They're having a moment where I think it's it's a little bit of a reevaluation. It's just a moment. I don't think it's something that's forever. So not to get people kind of down and out on that. But I think it's just about being strategic. Going back to being noticed is something that you really want to do. Coming you know, into the U.S. and getting in, in a job here, really connecting with the right people in those certain organizations to stay in touch with them and share your interests and be able to hopefully connect um, again when the right moment is there. And then I think for us here in the U.S. going overseas, the same like what we're doing. I mean, a lot of these countries are opening in their own different timelines. Like I have friends that are in Paris working with LVMH. Things are slowly starting to come back. I think even more advanced than we are right now. So again, I, I think it's the inquiries, really connecting with these global brands and connecting with the right HR partners. I mean, I can't say no because I'm not sitting behind their desk, but I would say if you take the right steps to connect with the right people and share your interests, you never know. I mean, those programs absolutely exist. My friend from LVMH is somebody that was in the U.S. and then was able to be transferred over to Paris and now works on Champs-Élysées, which is amazing, right? So I think it's just all about knowing where you want to go, being super strategic about connecting with the right people and just being patient at the moment. When you talk about strategic steps, I I think we've all had an experience. And if you haven't and you're a listener, good for you. But we've had an experience where you're doing the job search out of 
absolute necessity. And I mean that in the terms of you don't have a current job and you've got to find something. What should the strategic plan really be for you? Because I think a lot of times you do a lot of crazy things out of desperation, right? <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you're like, I got to yeah. find a job. And all of a sudden, like you're, 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 you're doing so much. So what, what is at least two things that a person needs to do strategically one and two to really get them moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you and was talking about this earlier this morning. Needing a job and needing to create income at this moment is where a lot of people are sitting. I think that you really want to reach for something similar that you've had in your last job and know that dropping that ego piece, it, it may not be the exact dream career mm-hmm. next step, but really adapting your expectations and finding something similar that you can really translate your skills and functions to that will get you at least secure to take that next step in finding something new as you navigate further along. It is so much better to start an exploration from a place of security. Okay. I always say you don't want to be coming from a place of, of emotional stress and just taking any low-hanging fruit job and whatnot. You know, I think there's a lot of things that you can do that can apply your skills, but get into something, maybe know it's not your forever and give yourself a place to explore once you have that security and you're kind of coming from maybe a bit of a better emotional state. Well, a lot of people, I think, would think that if I send my resume out to 50 companies, somebody's got to reach back out. Right. And so the idea is, is like I'm going to cast the wide net. Mm -hmm. Is that a smart strategy? I don't believe so, because I think the retail industry is really small. And not only does it show maybe multiple hiring authorities that could be connected, a fact that you're just kind of of scattering, but also too giving yourself a little schizophrenic (laughs) moment. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it's going to be okay. I, I think taking a moment of clarity, knowing we are not alone in this and really responding to a reality. There are a lot of people in the same place. And I can tell you, seeing it come in at the Bowerman Group where, you know, we have 10 candidates that will apply to 10 jobs that we have posted on our website. And we're like, wow, you really think that you're qualified for all these positions, you know, <laughs> looking at your resume and, and kind of, again, sort of like a, a job search cringe is I absolutely would not, again, come from a moment where you're in a reactive place. I think that maybe 10 jobs, you can absolutely make what friends and coaches of mine in the industry call a magic 20 list or a dream 100, writing down those amazing roles that really excite you, hitting a very strategic 10 per day or five per day, You know, giving yourself time to redirect your search if you need to. I absolutely would, would not just throw your resume out there. It, it's small industry, you're going to feel schizophrenic, you're going to look schizophrenic. And I think giving yourself a moment of clarity and pause and really doing the right things that are going to set you up in the right direction is the best way to go at this point. From our experience and what I see on a daily basis still (laughs) today that I'm trying to guide candidates through. So would you say say that that's of mistakes that you see people make that's kind of the bigger one Mm -hmm. where they're applying for 
everything they think that they have the skill set for every single job? Or is there some other common mistake you see candidates making that it, it gives you a cringe and you're like, gosh, people got to stop doing this. Yeah. On top of applying to everything, I feel like, say, out of your 10 to 20 outreaches that you may do. And again, you know, applications, it doesn't need to start there. You know, you can start with connecting with network LinkedIn and hiring authorities to getting noticed. But once you do that, and you get that response and you get that email, you're like, yes, today's the best day ever. Please prepare yourself. Mm. <laughs> Preparation <laughs> is key to everything, you know, making sure that you do your research on the job. You know, a lot of people come from a moment of excitement and like, I got this. And maybe you haven't interviewed in a few weeks or five years or whatever. Take the time to practice do what you need to do to get yourself really set up for the interview and the process. The second is once you do get into the interview process, the follow-up. Thank you notes, kindness is contagious. And I think something we all need right now, really the lack of follow-up sometimes drives me crazy where I don't necessarily say we chase down candidates for thank you notes, but but it's important Mm -hmm. to thank somebody for their time. However, the conversation goes, I think that's one thing that I don't hear of somebody kind of following up. I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, it's just, it's easy. It's simple. It's something that I think is really appreciated coming from the HR side. I know some of my clients, they look forward to those thank you notes and you can kind of leave the lasting impression beyond your interview. I would say the last thing is spelling errors, grammar, (laughs) have a second set of eyes with anything that you do, document, you know, that that definitely is something that is a little cringeworthy. Copying and pasting thank you notes from the web or anything, you know, please just don't do it. Um, And we've seen it. Oh, yeah, we've seen it all. I will tell you, those little Apple phones can uh, autocorrect a lot of special words. (laughs) So (laughs) you want to be careful um, with that and, and try to do things from like a laptop and a PC. And then the last thing again, making sure all your information is updated, that LinkedIn is updated. That's your calling card. If you're applying to a job, what's that HR person going to immediately do once they see your application? They're going to Google you. They're going to go on a LinkedIn search. You know, so you want to make sure that you have everything updated and relevant because you don't want to get on the phone or in a video and say, oh, yeah, I haven't done that in five years or I haven't been here. So, yeah, I would say those are are some cringeworthy things and hopefully some inspo to share, you know, for someone in, in a moment that can do some actionable steps to maybe correct or at least uh, gain some insight as to how to get noticed in the right way. Again, going back to our message. <laughs> yeah, I think so, you know, yeah. when, you, when you bring up the topic about preparing for the interview, uh-huh. I think a lot of times people think that it means only preparing about the information of the company or the role. Uh-huh. What a lot of people forget is you aren't always constantly interviewing, right? Like you're at best interviewing maybe once every two years. So yeah, we aren't really in the practice of being able to speak about ourselves in a professional way. Mm -hmm. And we get hung up with with certain things. And I often tell people, I'm like, practice talking about yourself in a professional way and what that feels like and what that looks like. And really be able to sit down and go, if I were writing myself a review, Mm -hmm. what would I write in that review? And then you leverage that 
for how you will interview. Because when you do a self-interview, you're like, this is what I do really well. This is what I would like to improve on. This is how I believe other people see me. And I think those are three things that if you're preparing to go on an interview, you have to be able to answer those three questions. Right. Um, And if you can't do that, then then there's a chance you you won't succeed in that interview process. I want to ask you about skill sets. When you think about your candidates that you've had, across your eight years, Mm -hmm. what is the one thing you've noticed that candidates have that seals the deal for them every time? Well, I would say it really comes down to obviously making a great impression in the interview process, going through the list, checking on the boxes, like you just mentioned, Christopher, being very specific to your accomplishments and what you truly believe you can bring to the table. But what really seals it is the culture fit. Mm -hmm. Having a candidate that has done the research on a brand that blows away a C-level executive with knowledge of their company, just not even being in the organization, but doing the homework and knowing their why. Why do you want to work here? What's drawn you to this organization? And just overall being somebody that a team wants to work with, (laughs) I think in this day and age, the skills piece is amazing. Those are tangible, but the intangible is personality, energy, passion, really seeing yourself as a part of a team. And I think it's so important in this day and age where a lot of hiring authorities are probably going to take less risks. And also too, you know, from a people point of view, wanting to bring people in an organization that they know can really make an impact in these critical roles. I mean, a hiring authority is hiring you to solve a problem that they have in the organization. But whatever level that um, position may be, you're getting hired because you're saying, I have this, I can solve your problem. You know, here's my skills and expertise. But at the end of the day, if you're not a, a fun person, if you're going in there like, a negative Sally, <laughs> you yeah. know, saying, what's in it for me? Talking about, you know, crazy things in the interview. And it almost like feeling like sometimes I think people go in and they're like, oh, I'm too good for this role, you know, kind of throwing through that energy. That is like the worst thing to do. So I think what really, really seals it, you know, after you hit all those steps is being that culture fit and, and showing someone that you really want to work for the organization and being authentic. Yeah, I don't know if you agree, because I know you've seen a lot throughout your time, too. But who do you want to hire with someone sitting in front of you? You know, someone that you really feel wants to work with you, right? It's it's so magical when that chemistry is really there. Well, I think that goes back to your point that we made earlier, where you don't cast a wide net. You really should focus and hone in on where you want to work, who you want to work for, because it gives you the why you want to work for them. You know, and I've met with a lot of people and I've met with people who absolutely had the hard skills to do the job, Mm -hmm. but I could tell they lacked the soft skills. And then I had people that came in that did not necessarily have the hard skills, but they had the soft skills, which means that they had the ability to adapt and they had a desire to learn. And they had a desire to learn because they had a passion for the brand I was working for. They understood it. And I think what was really cool is, is talking to people that didn't just only understand the brand I worked for, but they also understood how that brand was positioned in the competitive landscape. And that's something when you're meeting with somebody and they're like, right, I love this brand because compared to this and this and this, and you guys are doing this compared to this. I'm like, wow, like you get it. Yeah. 
So final question is those who are looking for a job and even those who are looking to transition, because there are some people that really are are like one thing that COVID-19 may have shown me is in in slowing down is that I'm not doing what I enjoy doing Mm -hmm. and I want to transition. Can they be hopeful at this time? (laughs) I agree 100 percent. Yes, (laughs) I'm going to put some good energy out there. Listen, um, going back to it. I think it's a very interesting time to pivot a career, knowing a lot of people maybe listening to this, been laid off or furloughed. It's absolutely a time of self-awareness, self-enlightenment, a chance to get yourself re-energized, reevaluate your life choice, almost seeing this as giving you a shot at pursuing maybe another dream, you know, and really believing what is not what is lost is not irreplaceable. So I think it might require stepping a little bit out of your comfort zone and seeing the bigger opportunity. Whether you decide to stay in your industry, you may have to pivot a bit, but a lot of the skills that you have, I'm absolutely positive, can transfer into other jobs and functions. It might be a bit of a pause if you really want to try to change industries or, or functions, you know, that may require picking up additional skills or, or actions. But I would say that there are a lot of people in the same place. HR teams are certainly hiring. Again, they have compassion at this moment. We are too excited to be talking to candidates out there that, that want to make this pivot. And maybe you've had a self-enlightenment to do something different. Be resourceful. You know, you certainly have control over your life. If it's something where you want to maybe use this moment to become an entrepreneurial person, pivot your career, just consult, start your own business, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. is, apply your skills and work to figure it out. And if I can leave any sort of inspirational moment in this is truly believing that there is something bigger that is awaiting you from, from mm-hmm. maybe what is gone and really believing that having faith, staying positive, don't give up reaching out to people in your network, having mentors, using all the resources at this time, it absolutely can be done. Going back to all the points we make you being super strategic, you know, really finding those passions, following that path and know that certainly it is possible. Thank you, Megan. Yeah. So Megan, how can our listeners keep abreast of what you're doing or reach out for sure. free information? Yeah. yeah, so we obviously have a website where we do keep active positions hosted at www.bowermangroup.com. Also feeling free to connect with me on LinkedIn at Megan Hool which will have all of my information, email or specific phone outreach. I'm here. I'm always willing to take intro calls and appreciate the outreach. If there's any point that is meant for us to serve right now, it is this moment. And we're happy to be able to provide guidance in this time. So check out our website. Check me out. Awesome. <laughs> I will definitely will get do. back to you. And I, I am looking forward to hearing from, from some of the listeners, hopefully. So don't be afraid to reach out. <laughs> Thank you. And I want to add, you can also access some of the content and materials to assist you in your job search that Megan Hull has created through her hiring 
Turing Lab series, retailrevolutionpodcast.com. Click on the blog and the information will be there for you to review. And again, you can always reach out to Megan. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Retail Revolution. Please feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Retail Revolution. A very special thank you to everyone who has helped make this podcast possible. Our guests, our students, and fellow faculty at Parsons School of Design, especially in such an extraordinary and unprecedented time. Our theme music was composed by Spencer Powell. Be well and stay tuned for our next episode.